What is good, guys? Welcome back to another episode of The Morning Playbook. I am your host, per usual, Ethan Troop. Here on The Morning Playbook, I do my best to give you the latest news, scores, updates, anything that might be relevant within the NBA world, the NFL world, college football, college basketball, and of course, Everybody knows I love a good fight every now and then in the UFC. I tend to dabble around there. I am not going to consider myself a professional in that aspect, but I do enjoy some UFC. And as the years continue to go by, I find myself a little deeper into the game. But off topic. Anyways, moving on. Today's episode, I have my boy Liam back on the podcast, Mr. Hoopstar. If you are a returning guest, you are very familiar with my boy Liam. Uh, obviously, we've been doing uh, uh, raw reactions, immediate reactions to the NBA Finals right after the games, usually. Unfortunately, we were not able to do that uh, following Sunday night's win for the Los Angeles Lakers. So congratulations, first and foremost, to the 2020 Los Angeles Lakers and the organization and fan base out there. You guys did it. Congratulations. We were not able to to podcast immediately following the game because if you are familiar with my guy, which if you aren't, I do interview him a little bit in this one to get a little bit more familiar. Uh, he has his own podcast at, you know, Man to Man. Go check them out. They're dope. Shout out to, to Andy Elliott, Mr. Twasington, and Hoopstar for what they've got going. They just wrapped up season one of their stuff, but they were podcasting that night, so we could not do this immediately following the game like we usually do. <clears throat> so we just kind of had to give it a few days to get our schedules to align, but we got it done, man. Look, we got it done. That's all that's important. So, in this episode, I start out by interviewing Liam, getting to, you know, kind of know a little bit more about his journey in podcasting as he wraps up season one of his first year podcasting, all that him and Andy Elliott were able to accomplish so that, you know, he's going to be, he's going to be a regular guest on my show. So, I feel like you guys should know who Mr. Mr. Hoopstar is. Um, but yeah, go, you know, we, we talk about that and their journey. Then we move on into the sports world. We talk about the NBA Finals. Obviously, with the Lakers winning, you know, we talk about how impressive AD was in his first finals appearance. We talk about, you know, the young guys and Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson for the Heat, you know, how they overachieved in our opinion. We also talk about that that villain status that was labeled to Jimmy Butler and, you know, what this does for his legacy and his career. So this was a fun episode. Uh, we, we covered everything that we felt we could or was important when it came to the ending of the NBA season and the Lakers winning it, at least as far as immediately goes. Obviously, you've got offseason stuff to talk about, but we wanted to make sure we showered the Lakers in some love as they do deserve it. It was a big year, um, definitely something they needed. Before I let you get into the episode, and it was a lot of fun, I need you to do me a favor and go check out my guy, Alex Prim, a.k.a. The Fade Doctor. I do not go to anybody else when it comes to getting my hair cut, and you shouldn't either. You can go and look and check out his work on Instagram at the underscore fade underscore doctor. Now, when you're putting that in, that the, the E in the is a three. So make sure you're being paying special attention to that and taking care of that. Uh, otherwise, you're going to go find someone else, and it probably won't even be somebody that cuts hair. Maybe. We'll see. But yeah, the underscore fade underscore doctor, three instead of an E on the the. Um, you can also get at him and book that appointment directly, whether it's through Instagram or Snapchat. On Snapchat, you can add him, fade underscore doctor. When you do so, make sure you are using the promo code 
the morning playbook and you will get five dollars off of your very first cut if you are struggling to get out to him, he's always open to come do an in-home haircut for you. It's what I have him do for me. He's very personal and will make sure that you, you know, it's it's a unique experience, you know, to have someone come cut your hair and be that flexible and to be as versatile as he is when it comes to cutting your hair. Make sure you're checking him out, The Fade Doctor. Also, go check out my guy Jules at Jim's Herbal. If you're someone who is someone like takes, I'm sorry. If you're someone who takes care of your body, you're you're winning right now. Okay, I'm not a super healthy person, but there are people who are ten times better than me. You are ten times better than me. If you are watching out for your health, you can do so by going to at Jim's Herbal and checking out what they've got going on there. They've got herbal teas, products, and stuff like that, and so much more to come. They're a, a, a growing small business, and especially with COVID type stuff going on, we want to help out our small businesses. So in order to do that, help my small business out as well, and make sure you are subscribing, you're liking, rating five stars, doing whatever you can to help me out. I, I you know, It's very much appreciated. I do this guy. I do this for you. This is a hobby for me right now. I enjoy it. I plan to continue to do so. But with that being said, I will not keep you from the episode. It was a lot of fun. Enjoy it. And and yeah, go 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 like, subscribe, subscribe. I'm sorry, go like, subscribe, and rate before you get to it. But look, enjoy. All right, y'all. I'm back with my boy Liam. What is this? Like the third, fourth feature on this this episode we've had with you, buddy? Shit. Two, three, four, seven, ten. Consistent in front of the pod, to say the least. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So, so since you are a consistent friend of the pod, I feel like the people should know you a little bit more. You feel me? Yeah, I guess that's where we. I guess so. They should. They know my background. They should know your background. You know, we work. We 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 kind of. You know, we we're on the phone all the time. We're talking podcasts left and right, twenty four seven. So. Uh, they might as well know about your podcast and all that y'all had going on. Y'all just wrapped up your season one, if I'm correct. Yeah, correct. Uh, season one, 40 episodes of, you know, the ins and outs of the uh, crazy 2020 season. I mean, what was that like? That's your, it's your first year podcasting and you, you accomplished a lot, to be honest, in your first year, more than most would in their amateur podcast. You know, you're scratching, you're scratching right there. You're almost you could almost quit your job, man. Maybe, maybe, maybe. <laughs> Y'all had to go through starting the season, it's stopping, and for a podcast, it had to be kind of awkward. You, there was no idea what was really going on. Everything was so up in the air for, a, a, I mean, at least a month, I felt like. You know, what was that like being rookies in the podcasting game? And that gets dropped on you. That's like being a rookie in the NBA almost, and your season stops. Right. I mean, we we started the podcast, obviously, Um kind of as a hobby just to you know fill some time and we're already talking about basketball all the time anyway to each other so we just basically said hey let's just you know get on air and you know start talking you know and see if other people will listen and if they liked it and so we were probably three I guess a solid three months in we did a little bit of the preseason too Um, so we were probably about three months in um, when the whole, you know, real turn of the NBA season getting canceled and all that. And it was like, I mean, we came out with a couple good episodes of like, you know, just Were you guys live at that point or, or not yet. Uh, we just started li- being live on YouTube and it was weird. We came out with a couple good episodes of kind of just good content of like 
what the fuck is actually going on type of deal, um, making jokes about the whole Corona thing. Then we see it get more serious in terms of season's going to be canceled for an expanded amount of time. And we just, I mean, we just kept grinding and, and that was basically what it's been. It's been a grind from the start to the, where we are now and finishing season one, but it's just, I know that you just, when you, you enjoy something and you do it because you enjoy it, everything else kind of comes easier. And that's what we found out with me and my co-host, uh, Andy Elliott. I mean, we love doing what we do, so it's not shout as out Twasington. Yeah, <laughs> shout out Twasington, but it's not as much of a job, you know, it's not we we do all this stuff in preparation and you know promote social media and that stuff, but at the end of the day we do wear every single hat that you have to do when you start in a business in this in that sense that this is kind of a business now because we are making money and getting advertisement and getting on NBA players onto the pod that it's it's been a grind but it's yeah. been a good first season and you know there's high high hopes and you know high expectations for next season as well so yeah. just keep on grinding man that's the the big thing about it keep on grinding yeah for for any other podcasters out there you know how hard it is you know people might think this is easy but this is not easy work you got to put the time in and, and me and you are definitely some people who do that. I mean, I love podcasting. We talk about it, how we can get better all the time. And you guys were extremely successful to me in your first year. You get the Dash Radio deal. You know, you are, you interview two NBA players all, all in your, you know, less than your first year. I mean, y'all are just now coming around to that mark, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. So, if, you know, before we get on, we're going to get on to some more sports stuff. This will be my last question. Um, you know, what was your favorite moment from that season? Um, in terms of just the podcasting in general, it was probably my favorite was to experience getting signed to, like you said, Dash Radio. In terms of people are out there, you you never really truly know how many people are listening and who are who's enjoying the, you know, the content that you make once you reach a certain listenership. And then to have a satellite radio company come to you and not to put them on blast or anything, but they came to us and emailed me and was like, Hey, let's have a conversation. And that's all the email sent or said. And I was like, well, who, who the hell writes an email said, let's have a conversation <laughs> with no, no context or anything. And I'm like, all right, well, I looked and saw his, you know, signature in that, in that sense. And it was from dash. And I was like, at the time I I've heard of dash, but I wasn't like informed on dash and, seeing who they were and they wanted us to come on. I mean, at the end, that's basically where the the conversation did lead was, Hey, we want to offer you a spot, you know, on satellite radio weekly. And I think that was like the moment turned where we were like, Hey, we can actually start doing something and we are doing something and you just got to keep grinding. So throughout the whole season, that's probably my, you know, my most looked upon, you know, set a time period that I enjoyed the most but in terms of like what happened during the season as in the play on the court I would say I liked I liked it when when Denver you know came back from two two series in a row down 3-1 that was probably the most live that I've you know enjoyed seeing basketball be played at such a high level so shout out to the Denver Nuggets and Jamal Murray hey quick stat 
first time ever Jamal Murray has been uh, in the odds of uh, the MP- MVP race already for next season. So, really, I was about to say for this season, they gave they gave him that many votes off of the bubble. Holy shit! <laughs> yeah, so, watch out for next season, man. Jamal Murray yeah. might make that MVP race or uh, run. You never know. Yep. Well, with, with that being said, let's go ahead. We'll dive into there's obviously only one thing to talk about when it comes to the NBA. The Los Angeles Lakers are the 2020 NBA champions after the chaotic 355 days. I believe I got that from y'all that were spent in the bubble. I mean, not in the bubble, in the for the season, you know. Uh, the bubble lasted, what, maybe two months? A little, it was, somewhere around there? It was about three um, and a half months. Yeah, if congratulations you, if you to the Lakers. Lakers yeah. fans, I know y'all are ecstatic. Um, this was definitely one that, you know, the franchise and the fans really, really needed. You know, tough year, especially for the organization when you, you lose Kobe Bryant. You know, he, you know, that's tough on the, it was tough on the world more than just the organization. Rest in peace, Kobe. So this was one that, you know, a lot of fans really needed to get. And, and with that being said, you know, I want to ask you, what was your, you know, impression of Anthony Davis in his first NBA Finals as a whole? You know, like, should he have got an MVP vote, or do you think everything was, you know, played the way it was supposed to be played in this in this championship final run? Uh, see, I at the at going into this and learning that AD has never been to the finals was kind of shocking because I, for some reason, always had in the back of my mind that he was he's made it there before because he's been such a dominant player. I think in terms of his first, you know, appearance, uh, it's just, it was good to see, you know, everything that he's worked for pay off. And nonetheless, that he's dominated just the series in the finals, you know, in general, but just the whole playoffs. He really is to me the perfect, you know, teammate for LeBron James. Uh, I know we can we could kind of get into that if we really wanted to, but in terms of AD's performance, I loved it. I think he did what he needed to do. He wasn't asked to do anything that he wasn't capable of doing, and he came out and performed, and he contributed in every way that the team needed him to do. So for me, I think it was it was good. It was a good performance. It was a dominating performance, especially in those last couple of games in the paint. I don't think he should have gotten any MVP votes. I think, obviously, if you watch the series, LeBron was just pretty much dominant all over the court. So I was impressed. I really was impressed with AD, and I'm glad that he got the chance to, you know, actually make the the finals for the first time in his career. Uh, I, I got to say, it, I, I almost – I mean, I, I, know, I knew he hadn't been in the finals yet, but I agree with you. It just didn't even look like he was – like, it, it looked like it didn't phase him. He was just – he knew he knew where he belonged. He felt right at home. It, you couldn't tell by the way he carried himself. This was his first NBA Finals. I was extremely impressed. I felt like, um, you know, at first, like maybe in game one, it showed like a tiny bit, but it was bare. And then it was just hunger. It, 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 I felt like most of the times it showed, especially in the second half, the second half, he was going – he was eating. He was eating. Uh, like y'all say on your, your, your shit, you know. He was cooking. He was cooking on boys because he was. And at, it was against a Bam out of Bayou who, yes, is a young player, but a very talented, a very versatile young player. So it wasn't like, you know, they had nobody in the paint for him. 
once once Bam did get hurt, you know, the, a couple of games, you you quickly saw him, you know, like I said, get to cooking. But you know, this wasn't just a an easy matchup. You know what I'm saying? He he showed he had to be the most dominant player. He willed his team. He took it upon himself to guard Jimmy Butler after taking uh, a lot. You know, was a game four when or, or three or five when he he decided that hey, from here on out, I'm I'm guarding Jimmy Butler. Was it five? I think it was five. Yeah, I think it was after game four. He said, "Hey, I'm gonna match up against you know Jimmy Butler, who's been in no sense of the word been cooking us in the last couple of games." And so, yeah, I think that was very you know, you know, it was leader. It was a, a leadership leadership quality that you saw from AD to know that hey, I can do this. I can you know at least contain him the best uh, on our team defensively. And you know what? He shut up. He did his job, and he's he shut down Jimmy Butler that next game. So I agree with that um, in terms of you know just the leadership portion of it. So I do. I, I'm just impressed all around. But obviously, it it takes a little bit of a backseat to how dominant LeBron was as well. But AD needs to get credit because he does do a lot of things on the floor that the Lakers, you know, pride themselves on and defensively and just being another option for, you know, a real scoring option offensively. I think you can throw it to him anytime and get a good shot. So in that sense of the the word, I, I do think he was pretty, pretty dominant. Yeah. And I guess it the, the easy question, I mean, this question was asked before they won the championship several times, and I believe everybody should have the easy answer, yes. But, you know, everybody was asking, was A.D. worth, you know, basically moving mountains to, to, to get him, you know, giving up so much and, and young talent and draft picks. It was a huge trade. And that was, you know, especially right when it happened, so many people felt like they gave up too much for Anthony Davis. But I believe, and you would agree with me here, the easy answer is yes, he is absolutely worth all of that because in his first year with you, he goes and wins you a championship and puts you still in a position to where you look like you can go and repeat back to back. You know, it's not guaranteed you're in a tough conference, but things look bright for you. You know what I mean? Right. I think the only thing I'm hesitant about, and I guess you have to draw that line of, are we going to be a team that wins now? Or are we going to be a team that wins for the future? And obviously every, you know, you have LeBron James on your team, you're in a win now mindset. The only thing I'm hesitant about of saying, you know, pretty much like you said, moving mountains to get AD was obviously the best move, you know, you could make. If you have a chance to get a future probably Hall of Famer, probably future top 15 player of all time on your team, there's nothing that you wouldn't give away. The only thing I'm worried about is, so you talk about timeline. LeBron James, in my eyes, has three more possible dominant years in his career after that you have ad and what else do you have to surround him right now you don't have much besides lebron james and you don't have yeah (laughs) you don't have much to surround ad in the future because you're still going to have to pay lebron james even when his career is declining so that's going to take rondo too because they they opted out of their contract so they're looking for some money this free agency pretty much. So they're saying, look, we got our ring. We ain't coming cheap no more. And that's exactly what I know Rondo's contract was like nothing. Right. He was on the the minimum of like five point something million for this year. It was 
absolutely asinine. For the production for, that you I was going to say for the, the role that he played. I mean, was so crucial. You, I mean, you just don't get that very often. Right. So that's the only thing I'm worried about because once LeBron starts to decline, he's going to decline. I'll put that on record. His his numbers are going to decline. He's going to decline. When you reach that 40 age mark, you're going to be like, hey, my body fucking hurts. My knees don't work the same. Trust me. I feel that when I'm fucking 26 and I've been playing basketball since I was six years old. So I know that's how it comes. And for him, it's coming regardless of, you know, what anybody thinks. And I just don't know what else you can, you know, rely on surrounding him with more talented players because AD is not going to get it done by himself. That's just not the player he is. He needs that sidekick of a, you know, teammate to really contribute and be that kind of second role guy. And I mean, yeah, they probably have, like I said, probably three more years. So you, you, you. And, and, to, put, and to pick, you know, kind of like this ties in with what you're saying. It's not going to, you know, uh, one of the questions that a lot of people ask is, you know, was this LeBron's easiest road to the finals? Things aren't going to get easier from here. You've got the Warriors coming back. You've got, you know, the Lakers What's going to happen? You know, is Ty Lue going to change his team to a real championship contender like everybody expected this year? It's it's not getting easier. It's going to get harder from here. So with that being said, I do want to transition into that question. You know, how do you feel about that? Do you feel like this was his easiest road to the finals? And, and, and then, you know, add a question to it. Was the finals his easiest matchup in his career? Mm, see, this is a great question. And – there's so many parts to this that I have to say that yes, this was probably one of one of the easier roads to the finals. But the season in general, going from starting the season, you know, stopping the season, having basically a whole off season, and then starting back up again, and then going into a bubble where you don't see your family, you're not in front of you know crowds, and you have to live in a hotel room basically, and just you know, meditate. I mean, yes, they had, you know, activities and stuff, but at the end of the day, it's not your normal feel as a player. So in that terms of, you know, the process in which he got to where he got and actually winning the finals was probably the hardest, but the actual competition and the actual gameplay and him going out there being the best player on the floor every night in the bubble was, yes, that's, probably the easiest road that he you could you know get him to the finals like you said the Clippers got bounced you know Milwaukee didn't you know pan out and make it to the finals and give them the matchup everybody wanted to see between him and Giannis so in terms of like true talent head-to-head I think it was easily one of his easier you know you know matchups in that sense so but the, all the other stuff, all the outside stuff, all the the non-basketball stuff that comes with playing the game was by far the hardest because I couldn't imagine being a player having to deal with that. So I guess it's, you know, it's 50-50 on if you look at competition-wise and then all the other off-the-court stuff. So, yeah, I mean, to me, I definitely think this was an easier path. And let me explain why I feel like that was an easier path. You have no fans. And, I mean, the fans, I feel like LeBron can be immune to, but it helped his teammates, especially his young, you know, 
supporting cast that came out of Kyle Kuzma. So I think, you know, he had a couple other players that may not have been so heavily phased, but I do feel like the fans played a, a big role. I think they get the champ. Let me be clear. I do think they get the championship regardless of fans being there, you know, Corona never happening and whatever, but I, I do think that played a role and they went either way, but I think in the fashion that they won was, was different due to there being no fans. So that, that would be why I think he had an easier finals run. But yeah, with that being said, you know, how do you feel? Do you think the Lakers would have had the same outcome if Corona never happens to, you know, were they the best team in your opinion? Obviously we'll never really know, but do you, would you have still said, you know, the Lakers, or do you stand by your Houston Rockets pick? I mean, honestly, yeah. I think the fans do play a big part. You have to go on the road. Some players shine on the road. And on the on the flip side, I don't think the Heat would have made it to the finals if they were, you know, having to go on the road. Rookies, obviously, they led, were led by two of their rookies in Duncan Robertson and Tyler Hero. So I think they wouldn't have, you know, contribute as much you wouldn't see you know Tyler Hero going for 70 or 37 at all on the road in any environment being a rookie because he's just he's not used to that so yes I think the fans do play a part I would say I would I would still have my my pick I would still have the Lakers and the Rockets in the in the Western Conference Finals and obviously I think the the Lakers would have gone on and to the finals and I don't know. I think at the end of the day, yes, I obviously I think the Lakers could have still won it. It's just one of those questions is what if and we'll never know the what if. But yes, I think they definitely had the upper hand and they were definitely favored or would have been favored still to come out on top for sure. So, yeah, you never know. I, I, to say the least, I definitely I mean, I'm begging, hoping I know it's really unlikely next season to have fans but man I do miss the fan atmosphere I mean it's oh I just I need it back I don't even go to games but I need it back I need it back the the effect like you look at some of the numbers that were dropped in this in the bubble and I mean it's insane I just don't feel like all of those numbers get dropped in if you have fans but if they do could you imagine what that's you know that arena is like when they're when when two guys are going at each other 50 a piece. Right. And that's a big thing. Like you wouldn't see, you wouldn't see just the straight up head to head because you, unless you were just, you know, a casual NBA fan and be like, Oh, you know, this team won that team won. And it doesn't matter if you're on the road or at home, this guy just put up big numbers, the fans in the atmosphere in which you have to, you know, really contribute to, just being loud in an arena, especially in a finals series. Like if you're having to travel from LA to Miami, which are on the exact opposite sides of the map every two or, you know, every two games, that plays a toll into just the whole travel and the whole, you know, just the whole thing in general of, you know, traveling and and playing up against a different fan base every night. And that takes a toll. And that's definitely a, contributing factor in that sense so it is it is you know it is just a field of what ifs so you don't know what would happen at the end of the day but Lakers won so it doesn't really matter and I don't think there should be any type of asterisk uh, you know applied to this finals I think you say this is a shortened season and that's what you leave it as 
in the history books. You don't say this was the the well, corona I mean, year. This I, I think just you a should have season. one on it. You should have one on it, but it shouldn't be a negative one. I, I don't I don't like when people portray the whole idea that this was uh it I, I did say it was an easier path, but it still wasn't easy to do what they did. It shouldn't be an extremely negative one. Because it had its own challenges that I don't think people, you know, do play, you know, take into effect. The entire mental strain that it took on them to be away from their families and to be in that type of an environment on go for for three months if you make it all the way to the end like the Lakers and Heat did. So to say there should be an asterisk, I disagree, but it shouldn't be a negative one. I mean, it should be considered a special championship because it is special. It was in the year Kobe Bryant passes and the world is going through a lot of stuff and the Lakers find a way to come together and win. And, and, and that's and the, not, it, not only it, win, but win in, in, in you know, uncalled, you know, nobody could predict what was getting ready to happen this season. This was a crazy season. Right. The and at the end of the right. And at the end of the day, my only thing is, Hey, you know what? The Lakers, they were favored. Yes, you're right. They, but at the end of the day, they went out and they won and they, took back the finals to L.A., you know. It was, it was more, like you say, favored. It's more, the Warriors were favored. Everybody knew that. But it wasn't, you know, it wasn't that much fun for uh, for the NBA finals with them, in my opinion. The Lakers were favored, but they made it fun the whole way through. They, they're they the, you know, they're the Lake show. So they gave us the show the whole way through, and that's what I appreciate because uh, we've had that for, you know, a couple years now. You can pretty much pick a winner almost every year. But this year, they had a couple other teams that could have gave them some competition. I don't feel like they reached. They got to play them, some of those teams. But, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's – I mean, hey, you 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 look at the Bucks. The Bucks were favored to get it, you know, at least to the Eastern Conference Finals, potentially, you know, face up in the finals. They were favored in doing that. And what for whatever reason, they didn't get it done. You know, you can blame it on Giannis not being ready – and not being, you know, playoff ready and just not having that enough experience in terms of dealing with the outside stuff. But at the end of the day, you lace up those shoes and you have to play basketball to win an NBA championship. And the Lakers yeah. did that. You know, they beat every team that they had to beat, regardless of who it was, to win an NBA championship. And that's on paper what you have to do to win the NBA championship. And they showed that they were the best at doing that every night. So, yeah, it is um, what it is. <laughs> I, I do want to ask you. So, obviously, every single championship, you know, they have the finals MVP. But I, I decided that I wanted us to go ahead and pick out some role player finals MVP uh, votes. And for me, if I'm picking a, a, a role player in the finals uh, who, you know, deserve that MVP award that I'm throwing out there. I got to give it to my guy Rondo. And I, I really loved what he did. Obviously, if you know me, I'm a huge fan of Rondo. He had 19 in the last game off of eight for 11. Uh, he had, you know, 19, four and four. He was consistent throughout the, you know, and pretty much the entire finals. I think he had one game or two games where he just didn't, he, he didn't look like himself, but I mean, he had a game where he had two points and I feel like that was his best game. Like, it's crazy the way the impact that he made, you know, we hit on a little bit earlier, you know, for the contract that he has, you know, his impact, his role was so huge for, you know, less than pretty much what a rookie's going to make, right? So, I mean, who, who, you know, who is your finals MVP on the role player side of things? 
your role your role player finals mvp drum roll yeah i would i would have to give it to alex caruso he came in got the nod that he was going to start and especially in game 6 he was just he was just all over the place he is a guy that will play defense he'll jump out of bounds for loose balls and and he can go up and throw you a dunk down and you know the Caruso show we all seen it throughout the season so being a player like that and knowing that you just have to go out there and compete in terms of play defense, knock down open shots, and just be kind of a menace all over the floor, he he basically does that for the Lakers. And you won't always see it in the stats, and you won't always see it, you know, in the numbers and every night in the box score. But having a guy that you can throw in to a starting lineup on an NBA Finals-worthy team that, you know, hands down in game six needed to win that game where I thought they would be in trouble and the the heat could possibly steal this away from the Lakers and having a coach and Frank Vogel to basically just trust Caruso and being that guy, you know, you, you see how dominant Dwight Howard had just been in the, in the series and at times, and you would start him, but you know what? I like what I like what I I see from you know and what I get from Caruso. Throw him in the starting lineup, make him you know guard Tyler Hero, make him guard Duncan Robinson, and what do you see? You see it pay off. I mean, Tyler Hero was held to like three points um, in the whole half. So it's like, and who was guarding him and menacing and just being a, a disturbance out there? Alex Caruso. So I think mine is more related to closing out the series and, you know, getting the championship. So I think it would be Caruso, but I understand what you're saying by Rondo because he was, in my eyes, the third best player for that team this year. Hands down, just consistency-wise, he was – you always knew what you're going to get from him, so. Yeah, and, I mean, it's crazy. It's it's almost kind of like a – like a – to me, like if you were to compare the role that he played, it was almost like your your typical like six man that's a super strong defender, Marcus, you know, like a Marcus Smart or a like a little, little throwback Celtic for you, Tony Allen. You know what I'm saying? They didn't offensively always go out there to the score. You know what I mean? Their impact was just so much on the game, and it didn't always show up in the stats. Uh, for Rondo, obviously, it was, I think it was game five. I don't know. No, no, it was game. It was either four – I think it was four because, yeah, they, they won the game. He had, like, two points, but he had nine assists, and they were critical assists. He had, he, had a, he had a game where they had to hit the buzzer beater, and he has the perfect dime to Anthony Davis. I feel like that's not given enough credit that it deserves because you don't – I mean, take it from somebody who – you got to have someone good to pass the ball in. He's a solid person to take that ball out of bounds in the NBA Finals, especially when you need a buzzer beater. So – I, I definitely think Rondo was was deserving. And Caruso, you mentioned, I think he was absolutely deserving. Underrated what some of these role players did do. They just didn't always show up in the box score, which unfortunately, if you're a Lakers, if you if you play the Lakers, their fans kind of want to see it in the box score. But for guys like us who are real NBA heads, you know, that doesn't go unnoticed. Right. So. I want to shout out another player that just, you know, was also always been a glue guy for them doesn't always get the recognition that he get I mean needs and deserves but KCP KCP 
don't overlook him. He's definitely a key role player for that Lakers and their championship. So I just want to shout him out real quick because he is definitely he's, well he's deserved. From the heavens, as Frank Vogel says. <laughs> he, I mean, he and it, and it shows. You know, he gets thirty plus minutes every single night in these in these final series. So he definitely, you know, has the coach trusts him and. He knows and what I mean, his role look is. At it, all three of those players that you mentioned are players that returned. You know what I mean? KCP could have been traded. Right. Alex Caruso could have been traded. Right. LeBron James, I feel like, was like, look, no. I need these guys. These, these, like, I'm, I, you know, this is your team. Do what you want to do. But this is me. I'm LeBron. I'm pulling my, my strings. I need you to keep these guys because I see where I need them. Right. And And, yes, these guys are – talented but they are expendable so right. i mean it's, it's a you know like if lebron james like because to me if, if if lebron did do something like that right because I, I wouldn't put it past him to be like you know this is keep these guys i don't need these guys going anywhere caruso and kcp were two people that he had to be like i need i have to have this and if you if, if i'm a player and lebron you know is basically protecting me from the trades because you know when you play on a lebron team you don't never know you 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 can be moved so if, if he's keeping me, that's that's that gives me the confidence that they needed to me to go to the NBA Finals, win the NBA Finals. So definitely a lot of love that is deserved to KCP, Caruso, and, you know, Rondo just signed back. But All right. Sure, so sure. I do also – you mentioned, you mentioned like five – maybe it was like five minutes ago. Frank Vogel. I, I do want to talk about Frank Vogel because that's another person who is – I feel like this – the one thing that overshadows this championship is it's so much LeBron, it's so much AD, and so much Lakers winning number 17. You don't think about these role players like Rondo and, and KCP and another person who you could consider a role player that does never step on the floor is the head coach, and that's Frank Vogel. Uh, sorry, Frank Vogel. To me, a lot of people ask these questions. There were so many questions surrounding the Lakers coming into the season. You know, what was going to happen? Can they really get it done? And one of them was, is Frank Vogel the guy to do the job? You know what I mean? They could, why didn't they take Blue Will or, you know, Jason Kidd's the backup head coach? And a lot of people, I believe it was Steven Jackson on a podcast with DeMarcus Cousins just outright said, I don't, I don't recognize Frank Vogel as the head coach. So, I feel like a lot of that was very undeserving. I, I, I'm interested to hear what you have to say, though, and why you would feel like, you know, he's the best fit for this job because he obviously got it done. Right. The biggest thing, and I've mentioned this a couple of times throughout the year, and when they actually did sign Frank Vogel back when they did in the offseason was Frank Vogel is a defensive, you know, headed coach. He takes on the defensive role. And he puts defense first. And you can see that the Lakers this year, that was their focus. When they played really good defense, like they played in game six, holding a team to 36 points and a half, you look and you say, damn, it doesn't matter how good our offense is. If we can hold a team to 36 points, we have a probably a pretty good shot to win that game. And I think that's what LeBron needs in a head coach because – to, to say that you are a brilliant mind offensively, which LeBron James is, don't get me wrong, he is a brilliant mind, but when you have a head coach that wants to inflict a certain type of offense or, you know, control heavily an offensive, you know, 
set or an offensive scheme throughout a game and your best player, which is probably right most of the time, probably 85% of the time in the plays that he makes, you and the head coach are butting heads on that, you know, you should have done this or we're going to do this. And LeBron James says, no, I think we should do this or we're going to do this. When you have those heads butt like that, it never works. But if you have a coach that says, you know, okay, I can see that. We'll try that. Which Frank Vogel offensively kind of let LeBron do what he wanted to do um, and not really, you know, tell him what he needs to do. But like, hey, I'll give you this freedom on offense, but you got to promise me you're going to play defense. And what do we see? Lakers being a top defensive team this year. So I think for me, Frank Vogel is the best head coach that LeBron can be paired with. And I know that's saying a lot. I know LeBron has had some good coaches, even like a Mike Brown back in Cleveland, but even Ty Lue in Cleveland in 16, I just think this is the best match for LeBron because Frank Vogel is a very team oriented guy. And what do we see? We see a team win a championship in that nature. So I like it. I don't know what about you. I, do you like Frank Vogel? Do you I, see- I, I, I don't know if I would, I don't know if I would go as far to say that he is a best fit. I think he's a great fit. I don't think there needs to be any change in head coach by any means necessary, but I do feel like, you know, he's like you said, he's played with some great coaches, you know, Spolstra, and, and, and Ty Lu, who's obviously just gotten another head coaching job in this league for a, a potential championship team. I mean, gosh, if I'm Ty Lue right now, life is nice. I'm just saying. Every time you get offered to be a head coach as a championship caliber team, that's, that's kind of nice. Um, but, you know, I, I definitely think that Frank Vogel is somebody that was extremely underrated. And if you, if you can make – like, look, if you play defense – you're in every basketball game. If you can hold that team to whatever score you're putting up defensively, you're going to be there. Defense is a defense wins championships. I, 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 I don't feel like people say that enough anymore. I know it's a saying, but they don't say it enough anymore. It, in this new era of basketball, it's almost all about offense. But I, I, I respect the fact that Frank is old school, kept it defensive. Definitely think that was a good fit for a team that has – two players who could have been up for the running of defensive player of the year. That was going to be, that was going to be my point. I think at times on LeBron James's teams, they do have good defensive players, but they get so wrapped up in who's going to take the shot, who's going to make the next shot. And it switches from a defensive mindset, which LeBron James is a defensive player. You know, I would say he first is his first thing is, you know, passing. And then his second thing is defense as, you know, what his mind should be as terms of I mean, as far as abilities. iconic plays go, Jordans were scoring. But when you think about LeBron's, like one of his most iconic plays ever was a defensive block on Andre Iguodala. Right. And I think that gets lost when you have so much pressure to control the offense. And I think that's what has gotten lost in LeBron James's past teams and why he hasn't won championships because before because he has to put so much energy into the offensive end because he doesn't have offensive just superstars even in you know you in Cleveland not one he hasn't had I mean he, he damn near had two this year too I mean you've got 
got Anthony Davis, obviously, is the biggest one, but you still got Danny Green, who's been known for nothing but 3 and D his entire career. Right. So a, a dramatic, you know, step up when it comes to talking about, like you said, the defense and a lot. Look, maybe that's why LeBron's career, you know, he's got so many losses in the finals. You know, he doesn't have teams that have strong defense. He goes in there with a team who is defensive minded, has, you know, dominantly two way players throughout most of the roster and four one. Right. And then I don't want to oh, discredit. Four, I'm sorry, four two, four two. My right. bad. I don't want to discredit Kyrie Irving, but. Kyrie Irving is a hit or miss type of player. You know, when he's out there, he is, I'll turn the ball over a lot. I'll give you 40 or I just will be non-existent and just, you know, passive. And defensive liability at that point in his career, without a doubt. Right. And he was going through some injuries and as well in 2016. So no, no like discredit on him. He is a very good player, but he's not an offensive threat and a defensive threat in terms of, players that you see on the Lakers this year, like you mentioned, Danny Green. Get off Danny Green's, you know, fiance and shit. Stop, you know, giving her death threats. They got yeah, that shit was crazy, dude. That was wild. That's I can't un- believe people take it that far. Yeah, that's uncalled for. But at the same time, Danny Green, really good two-way player, you know, three championships on three different teams. Props to him. And then AD, obviously, probably could have been, you know, MVP and defensive player of the year if, you know, he wasn't playing alongside LeBron James this year. But, yeah, I agree. It just depends on on the team makeup and what's being, you know, preached in that locker room. And for Frank Vogel to be preaching defense, we see that 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 helps. I will say this. This episode is almost like paining me, Liam. I'm a a very diehard Celtics fan, man. This, you know, know, the only reason that I I think this one didn't, suck is bad for him because to me whenever the Lakers when it's like fuck man like obviously they now tie us for championships that was something that I liked having over them uh for a long time even though they always want to bash us for having all these old championships like they didn't have some with the Minneapolis Lakers they like to count so I'm just saying man you know I, I'm not a big fan of watching them win but if there was ever a year that wasn't going to bother me that they win it, that they deserved it, that, you know, more than just the team needed, you know, the world needed was this championship to go to LA. And, uh, you know, as much as it pains me and and burns my tongue to say congratulations to the Lakers, you know, this has been a, a, a little bit much. So let's go ahead and kind of talk about Miami and what happened for them this year and, and kind of get a good idea what they need to do to make sure they get back here. But uh, to you, you know, what do the Heat have to recover and retain first and foremost? Because this, you know, congratulations for making it, but now you've lost. You want to get back, obviously. That's the next step. Nobody tastes the NBA Finals and isn't hungry anymore. So what do the Heat need to do? What do they need to – who do they need to make sure it stays? You know, do they need to add any more extra pieces? Or is this team, to you, competable going into the East next year or at least a favorite? No, I think this was a, in terms of the whole situation, this was a fluke in terms of them being a com, a consistent competitor in the East. I think you run into certain teams on certain days, um, and you will find that the Miami Heat will not be able to do this for years to come with their current roster. 
um, at least until Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero. I've preached this since the bubble started. I think both of them are fairly highly overrated um, in terms of pure just experience on how to win. They can put up numbers and they can shoot the shit out of the ball. That's no question. But to win a game, they have no idea how to do that yet. So for me, Miami Heat not going to make it back to the finals unless they add a big piece. And I would say, you know, keep your your rookies because I do. Don't get me wrong. Is Bolo big enough of a piece? You know, I know you don't. <laughs> yeah, I know you were going to say that. I hate to do this to I you, know. man. I know you. But look, if I, I got to talk about and congratulate the damn Lakers over here, you you can handle Oladipo pains over there, okay? I knew. I, I, think I Oladipo I, would be a piece that could at least make them a favorite coming back. I knew you were about to say some shit like this. I knew it. <laughs> I knew it was coming. I was hoping you would just skim over it. But yes, I think Victor Oladipo could take pressure off of uh, Jimmy Butler. Victor is also another guy that needs the ball in his hands to kind of make things happen. So, the as you said, leader that definitely they missed in the finals because you know Jimmy could do it, but that's not what he's looking to do. Right, and that was the thing you saw that Jimmy was so tired after every game that he, you know, got forty points in a triple double. I mean, we talked about it. Just his, he looked tired even after his. We, yeah, we, I mean, we, you're right. We said it here. We after it was after they won. We talked about it. We were like, if he plans on doing that again, they won't survive. They're, even if you make it to seven, you, you'll be dead. And I mean, they were dead this game because of last game. Right. So I think that will definitely help. You know, he won't have to have so much pressure on doing it all. But yeah, a player like Vic, I'm even thinking. I mean, just another I, Vic. I honestly, this is gonna pain me to say, but. We're not going to keep Vic. That's just not the right move for the Pacers. So we're going to move on for Vic. Um, so I would say he's going to move on. Yeah. Okay. He's going to move on. <laughs> we're going to move on. Whatever you want to, however you want to paint the picture, we're going to part ways. Let's put it that way. Both, both sides, are, different pictures. <laughs> both, both sides are going to agree to part ways. And I think, yes, I think if they can sign another big player, like, you know, Vic and, get him on the team and, you know, have Jimmy trust him knowing that, you know, he is going to be a leader out there as well. You know, that's always kind of hard from, from Jimmy's experience that he doesn't always like having another true superstar in terms of taking away his shine and competing with him to being that, that leader. But if he can, if Jimmy can trust him and understand Vic is just there to help and want to win, I think that would be a great piece, and they could definitely make a push. But other than that, if they don't make any moves, you know, I think Iguodala showed that he was, you know, past his prime, and he's kind of moved on from being finals MVP worthy and not really a true factor on the floor. Um, And then Duncan and, and Tyler, they just need more experience, and they'll be, you know, good enough in a couple of years. I said it. I said it on my podcast, not to to go off topic real quick, but I would love to have seen this series go, um, you know, this same series, these same two teams, but the only change is Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson just fast forward five years and have that five years of experience in the league. This this series of would have gone so much differently. It would have been, you know, 
pretty I would I would say that he would have possibly just almost swept him if they had if those two players had five years experience. But I think you keep those guys, but yeah, I think you gotta add one more big piece for sure. I don't know if that's the same for you. You think that he'd are consistent enough and make it back next year? Or what do you see with, for them? With the roster they have right now, if they were to keep this exact roster, no. But I do think, like, you know, I know as much as it pains you to say, I do think Victor fits everything that they need. You know, they only lacked an, a true offensive leader. And that's exactly what Oladipo can be if he stays healthy. You know what I mean? Y'all had to deal with, you know, several injuries happening. Obviously, he had one major one that kept him out for so long. What was it, a quad or something like that? Yeah, his quad tendon. Yeah, so – but if, if he's healthy, I definitely think that he does. Uh, but one of the other questions that I, I definitely wanted to ask you was, you know, Jimmy Butler has got this bad voice, like, story painted on his career, you know, as, as, a, as a villain, basically. So – Based off the way he handled everything his first year in Miami, taking them to a championship, especially, you know, behind offensively at least help from a lot of young players because even Kendrick Nunn started for a majority of this season as a rookie. So that's three rookies that they put a lot of scoring faith in. Do you feel like he helped push them? And he does he, did he expunge the villain status from, you know, his, his resume that he, he had carried because of what happened in, you know, obviously Philly and and the main main storyline that always, you know, ruined or I felt like tarnished his look as a, a star player in this league was what happened in Minnesota. How do you feel like – what does this do for this, this resume? It's, it definitely helps it. I don't think – I think the, the narrative of Jimmy Butler being hard to deal with as a teammate in the locker room is slowly dying, but it's still going to be there for sure. He's not all oh, he's not the greatest teammate. Um, and that's just how it's it's how it's gonna be. You know, some players are very good teammates, some players, you know, are not, and that's okay. And we saw that that's okay. He just has to surround him with other players, or the the Heat have to surround him with other players to understand that this is how Jimmy is, and they are okay with it. And I think this year they did that exact thing. They surrounded Jimmy with players that are, A, the two rookies that have shown up, like we mentioned, but then like a Bam Adebayo, he's not a very vocal, real vocal player in terms of being loud out on the court and like, you know, just like a Dwight Howard always getting in the middle of things and just just very expressive. Bam is not a very expressive player out there. and I just think it – and Goran. Goran, no – I mean, I hope he doesn't listen to this before we bring him on to man-to-man. But Goran <laughs> – Goran, I mean, Goran barely, barely speaks English very well. Like, you know, like so he doesn't probably know what's going on in terms of some of the, the lingo that Jimmy might say on the court. Like, you know, sometimes like that it gets lost in translation. But it just depends on – who you surround them with. And I think this was the perfect, you know, group of guys to say, Hey, Jimmy Butler, I'm going to be that guy. And you take it or leave it basically. Yeah. The good thing (laughs) is that's always cuttable. (laughs) Oh, I'm leaving that one in there. That might be one of my best. Hey, Hey, if if he hears it, Hey, that's lit though. Shout out Gordon Drogic for listening to my podcast. If we swing that, but yeah. 
uh, or I mean, if y'all swing that, I'm tripping. So I, I do, I do feel like it has to help his resume, and it's got. I I want to ask you this more so because I feel like I would vibe very well with Jimmy. That is my type of teammate who is willing to sacrifice and do whatever it takes to win. If, if I'm not winning, I'm not happy. That's the kind of person I am. I, I can understand his competitive drive uh, or drive. I want to, you know, do you, do you feel like, you know, from your basketball mind state, how can you deem that a bad, you know, teammate? Do you feel like you would vibe well with that? Or are you one of those teammates that sometimes being over, over, I guess, aggressive about winning can rub, can rub you the wrong way. I, I'm, 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 I would say I'm, I've been like Jimmy Butler. I'm a very, you know, this is how it's going to be. If you don't like it type of deal, then I'm sorry. And a lot, I mean, I've had teammates come to me and say like, Hey, like you got to shape this up or like calm down. You, you know, don't do this in this certain situation because it doesn't look good. And I, when I hear that at times, you know, it, I look and see, you know, it kind of just brings me down and I kind of shy away, but at the end of the day, it's not that I don't like like you as a person. And Jimmy Butler's come out in a couple of interviews already and say, it's not that like I hate you, and it's just I expect more from you. And I'm I'm the same way. So I think it just depends on the type of player. You know, I'm shit talking to everybody I see on the floor. So it doesn't really matter if I'm oh, shit talking. Liam, you're competitive, even we're playing YMCA ball. And if it's a good game and I miss a layup or something like that, you're gonna get in my ass. And it's just pickup. <laughs> right. So it just depends on the the mindset of where you are and, and how you play the game. But for me as a player, I've always loved playing with players that are the same way because I know it's just the competitive edge. And, you know, at the end of the day, like you said, we just want to win. So if you can be matched up with another player that thinks that way and, you know, acts that way, you only respect it more. So that's why I've said I respect Jimmy Butler so much more after seeing the way that he's dealt with his team. And another thing is, I think it has to do a lot with the Heat's organization because they've been that kind of team of, you know, fuck what everybody else says. We do it this way and we're going to get it done and we're going to win this way. So that's basically what it comes down to. Yeah. Um, We talked about them a little bit and I guess it's time to bring them back up, but the rookies and Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson, do you feel like they overachieved or did they underachieve in their first appearance in the NBA finals? I'll ask you this. I'll, 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 I want to ask you this one. What do you think? Because I'm very strongly opinionated about this, but I'll, I, I, I'll... I <laughs> that's exactly why I asked. I know you are not the biggest Duncan Robinson fan. Right. Uh, so you, you, you definitely respect his, his scoring ability. You've made that very clear, but you're not a fan of how it's done. Right. So I'll ask you first and, and say, what do you think? Do you think that the rookies – my, bar none, they are rookies still. So as a rookie, yeah. I think I get lost a little bit in thinking that they're not rookies. This is their first year. So as rookies, do you think they overachieved or underachieved as rookies? Not as players, just as rookies. I would say they overachieved just because they were, I mean, they were a key reason. Not a key, I mean, Jimmy Butler was the most key reason in the two games that they won. You know, they played – you know, Duncan Robinson hit big shots, and and I believe it was game three, and he had been struggling game one and two to the point where some you know people that I was listening to when it came to podcast 
we're thinking about, you know, do you keep playing him if he can't score and he's such a defensive liability? So I do think that they overachieved because to be able to impact the two games that they won the way that they did against obviously a very dominant Lakers team, I I do think that they overachieved for the fact that they're rookies. If they weren't rookies, I would have said this is underachieving, but you know, I, I was impressed. I got to say, they. I would have loved to see it be a little bit more consistent because then that could have potentially maybe forced a game seven. But, you know, like you mentioned, they are rookies and you've got to cut them at least some kind of, I feel like, slack when it comes to that. Right. And that's where I, I wanted to ask you because I tend to forget that they are rookies. But Is that why you're so harsh on Duncan? <laughs> Duncan Robinson, man, I'll say it now. Duncan Robinson is a phenomenal shooter and he's a great shooter and he does what he does, but him going up and looking for a foul every time he shoots the ball drives me nuts. So that's why I'm not the biggest fan. Just, and that's where the experience comes in. If he had more experience, he would understand that he doesn't have to do that as a player and being a rookie, you don't understand that until you see it in film People keep saying that to you, and then at the end of the day, you slowly make that habit change and knowing that, hey, I'm not going to get my shot off, you know, in some situations, but that's okay. When I do get a good shot or I do get my shot off, just shoot the ball. Because you think about great shooters in the NBA history, Ray Allen, I'm talking even, you know, Kyle Korver, uh, J.J. Redick. Uh, I would even throw, you know, Steve Nash in that conversation of great shooters. Name me mainly the reason why they're great shooters is they shoot the ball and they make open shots and they don't force it. I think, you know, Duncan had his chances of just forcing it and looking for fouls. And that's not, if you're going to be a shooter in this league, you don't do that because more times than not, you're not going to get the foul. And because you're looking for the foul, don't get it. Your shot's not going to go in. But if you come off, look for a shot. And if you have it, shoot it. And if you don't, it's okay. I'll get the next one. You'll be fine. So as rookies. Not playing in the hoop star way, huh? Hoop star don't look for, he don't look for calls. He just take his contact and keep it moving. Right. I mean, so in, in terms of. That's real baller shit right there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's just, yeah, yeah. It just, I don't know, it just, it just is frustrating to watch sometimes in terms of just, you're such a great shooter. Why, why, why settle? So to answer your question, for those rookies, they, I'd be an idiot if I don't say that they overachieved. Um, I would be, I probably could never podcast again. Uh, nobody <laughs> would take me seriously. So I think they definitely overachieved. They just need to get more experience. And I think they will. I think Tyler Hero is probably, I would say he's number two rookie in going into next season. So right behind John Morant. Not sold on Zion yet, but as rookies, they you can't ask your rookies to do much more than they are did they did in this you know in this series. So it's pretty easy, pretty easy you know answer to that. Yeah. Well, I've only got one more question before we do get out of here. Um, 
because I mean, I, I believe you got you hit it on the hammer. You, you know, you know the sand that I always struggle with. If you ain't listened to an episode of mine yet, you know damn well I never get this right. <laughs> um, but you know, you're right on right on point, basically. Where if 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 you think that they underachieved, you really clearly don't know what you're talking about because you do have to factor in the fact that this is rookies, and not only are they rookies, but they're in a a strange situation. Uh, you know, it's a, they had to face a lot of adversity to even get to where they are at. So I do want to commend, first of all, all the teams, you know, for competing as hard as they did and giving us such entertainment in such a tough time. But my last question before we get out of here, because I think this is a really important one. How, and I, 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 I don't know if you'll feel the same way as I do. I'm interested to know, though. How do you feel like the injuries impacted this series? You know, with Bam and Goran, Goran Dragic, do you feel like, this is a different series where they potentially win if these guys never, you know, get hurt or even, you know, see the side of injuries, or do you think that the Lakers still overpower this team? I think, I mean, I think the Lakers are still winning. The only reason I say that is because the, the Miami heat won without Bam and Dragic on the floor, you know, and they showed that they could win without them. So it wasn't the, the fact that they were on the floor or not on the floor, it was just a a seven-game series. And the Lakers knew that going in, and they knew that the, the Heat could not outlast them for seven games. And we saw that just through fatigue and experience. So I think it was a multitude of a lot of little things that the Lakers knew going into the series that if we just stick to what we do – and continue to play Laker basketball and just, you know, be just the most solid team at every point that we can and, and try to be the most, you know, just really good offensively and defensive team every minute that we're out there, then we will win this series. So don't go out there and try to do something that you, you're not regularly doing. And for the injuries, it doesn't matter. I don't think it mattered you know, yes, you have to understand that they were two great players and contributing players. But at least goes to seven, though, if they don't get hurt, right? Oh, no, 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 no. I think I think hmm. six was was the cap anyway. I mean, I don't think it mat. It did not matter who was on the floor for the Miami Heat. It really didn't. They could have. I mean, they. It doesn't matter. I don't think the Lakers. I don't think the Lakers even looked at. You know, Bam. Well, I know playing. they did, and I, I do agree with you. I think the Lakers still win, but I do think this goes to seven. And I, I, I think that when it comes down to it, the biggest injury that was the biggest impact, in my opinion, was the Drogic's injury. Obviously, Bam has been phenomenal through the the playoffs, and and was a big reason why they got there, and still played well when he was in the finals. You know, despite being coming off an injury and or already hurting at the time when he was still playing. But Drogic was their off their strongest offensive player. He led them in scoring. So I think in a game where they, like one of the games they lost, and we said they had to win, where they keep uh, the Lakers to like, I think they barely had over 100 points. That's a game where Drogic offensively could have lifted them to win. I think they had two games, in my opinion, that really st- slipped out of their fingers and, and if you just get one of those to go your way, you're in seven. I still don't think you win it, but I would have loved to see 
By the way, Gore, if, if y'all swing Goran Dragic as a uh, uh, interview and he somehow finds his way to my podcast and listen, please, Goran, don't go listen to any other podcast that I talk to you, talk about you in because I, I I I will say up front I am an idiot. I was completely wrong about how important Goran Dragic was to this team earlier in the playoffs. You know, I, I said, especially against us, I said he can't do this for an entire series and then turned around and did that damn shit. <laughs> so, so uh, you know what I'm saying? I, I just feel like he was so important, underrated how bad they missed him in that finals. But run. if 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 Bam and, and Dragic don't go down, we don't see the takeover, you know, triple-double from – uh, Jimmy Butler. Jimmy yeah. Butler. We don't see that, and that doesn't. And I think that means a lot for Jimmy Butler in terms of knowing that he has to be the guy, and give him confidence that he can be that guy. So if they don't ever go down with injuries, we might not see that Jimmy Butler come out. We know he can do that. Don't get me wrong, but we know we don't see him do that, and we don't see that you know expectation put on him to actually you know come out and dominate a game you know for 48 minutes basically 47 minutes each time so we don't get to see that so I again I don't think these injuries mean as much as they you know as they everybody's gonna say these injuries matter but they don't matter as much as everybody's saying that they do because at the end of the day it doesn't it didn't matter and it won't matter because they got hurt (laughs) well well, on that note, Mister Mister Hoop Star, um, I think that's a good good place to end it. Uh, I definitely want to let you shout out, you know, your podcast. Let them know where they can get at you, um, so they can go check out any, especially. Uh, I'll say personally, definitely go check out their their episodes with NBA players Garrison Matthews and Kyle Alexander. Those were fun episodes. Um, but yeah, let them know where they can go catch up on your season one if they missed it and and where to be you know looking at you as you guys get ready for season two yeah for sure so that's uh my podcast man andy elliott's podcast man to man podcast on instagram and, out yeah and at mtm nba show on twitter go show us some love there if you want to reach out to me personally I'm getting back into the twitter game um so that's at the Hoopstar Nash for sure. Go check me out there. I'll be Where's out there. Dog? <laughs> yeah, I'll be out there sometimes now. And uh, and if you want to, we are on Dash Radio, uh, satellite radio every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern time. So go download the Dash Radio app and tune in to Nothing But Nets channel at 4 p.m. Eastern on Mondays to you know hear our our episode live. Um, but with that, man, I appreciate you having on me, me on here again, for sure. Yeah, no doubt, man. You, hey, you know there's going to be plenty more episodes with you. Um, and I'm going to give a juicy, juicy little preview before I shout out my Twitter stuff for anybody that hung around just to make sure. But hey, I'm, I'm about to be doing episodes where I cover every single team. You know, I told, I talked to you about it off air. I wanted to, to do a series about, you know, basically what these teams have done in the past three years, what the next three years can look like for them and what happened this year. So, you know, you're definitely going to be on for a couple of those episodes. We've talked about it. We're going to try and get some teams picked out that you want to do. But with that being said, like I said, Twitter is where it's at. Catch me on Twitter at E underscore troop one zero. Again, that is E underscore T R O U P one zero. 
for anything that is podcast related. You can check me out on Instagram at The Morning Playbook. If you are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you hear me at right now, there's got to be a way that you can rate, review, subscribe, follow, whatever you need to do. Support me. Help me get going. This is definitely, I'm trying to get up on your level. Who, you know what I'm saying? I can only, I can only strive to have such success in a, in a first year as a podcaster. Um, I appreciate you coming on. Definitely guys go check their stuff out. They've got some good content. And, and with that being said, man, we'll, we'll catch you next time. Mr. Hoopstar. For sure. For sure, man.